So we are going to be continuing on with our series, Dear John, Part 3. So if you want to get in the text, it's 1 John 2, starting at verse 12. You can go ahead and get there. I'll give you plenty of time to find that so you are ready when we dive in. Now, today's message, I entitled it, The Snare of Seeking Self. The Snare of Seeking Self. Now, I know what you're thinking. Snare-seeking self. That's a very difficult thing to remember to say. Very alliterative, snare-seeking self. I've got an easier way to remember it. If you're like, I can't remember that. I'm not going to remember that when I walk out of here. Just remember this. (laughs) Just remember this. It's a trap! (laughs) So whichever way is easier for you, the snare-seeking self, or it's a trap. Either way, you'll walk out of here with some information today. Now, honestly... This isn't even going to be the weirdest thing that happens today. Uh, Today's message is going to include a ringleader, a master hunter, a nutritionist, and a primate. Having said that, let's get right into the text. If you would stand with me as we read from God's Word and figure out what I am talking about today. Starting at verse 12 of 1 John 2, I am writing to you, little children... Because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Do not let the world or the things in the world... If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away, along with it its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the, tr- is of the, is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. And I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and it is true and no lie, just that it has taught you, abide in him. Let us pray. Father, we just ask now that your Holy Spirit come over this room, God, and you just speak to each of us, that you pass along your message that you have intended for each person in here. You open our hearts, you open our minds, and you allow us to hear what it is you have to say. I thank you, Father, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. So what I like here is 
that he starts off with this introduction. And here's your ringleader part. So he comes in and John goes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. And that's how this starts, because he wants to get everybody's attention. Now you can imagine if you went somewhere and they were like, hey, ladies, automatically half the crowd's gonna tune out, because oh, he's not talking to me. Or hey, little kids, you're gonna tune out. That's not for me. So he wants to make sure he's catching every person's attention. So he starts out with that. Children, fathers, young men. Now we're not talking about age. We're not talking about actual, hey, little children, hey, young men. This is about their spiritual growth, where they are in their spiritual walk. And that's who he's talking to. And he wants very specifically for all of those people to tune in and listen to what he's about to tell them. We have to know about these stages of growth, and that brings us to point number one in your notes. As with life, there are stages of growth in faith. There are stages of growth in faith. Let's listen one more time to what he says there. Now listen to the order that these come in. I am writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. Now you would think, little children, he's gonna go right to young men, right? He doesn't, he goes to the fathers next. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. But then he repeats himself and he goes back to those same people in that same order. I am writing to you children because you know the father. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Again, he's going in with that. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he's getting everybody's attention. Look at me. I'm, I'm talking to all of you. But I think he spends more time on those young men because he's, he goes out there to the, the children first and he just gives them, that's the people that are new to the faith, new to the Christian faith. And he just gives them exactly what they need. He said, hey, your sins are forgiven. Because he's getting ready to unpack a lot. He's getting ready to go some big places with this text. And he wants them to know, listen, you're saved. For the name's sake, for the Father's sake, you're saved. Like, that's it. Don't worry, things are gonna get confusing here, but you're good. Then he goes to the Father, because again, he doesn't feel like he has to give as much of an explanation to them because of where they are in their spiritual work. These are the fathers that are raising up those young men, that are raising up those children. So he says to them, hey, you've known this from the beginning. You've known him who is from the beginning. Thank you, fathers. Then he goes to those young men. Those young men are the ones that are figuring out their faith. Are they gonna turn away from the faith? Are they gonna walk away from the faith? Or are they gonna become fathers who become the shepherds of the children and perpetuate this growing up and these stages of growth in the Christian faith? Now, as I was doing this, it struck me that we need to grow. And to do that, this is where the nutritionist comes in. Now, as you can see, I am a foremost authority on nutrition. So you should definitely listen to what I say. I know what I'm talking about. I did a lot of research on different diets to see what I could fail at next. And what I found was, there's a lot of weird diets out there. The first one I found is the milk diet. It's exactly what you think it sounds like. All you do is drink milk. That's it. That's disgusting. And it's a good thing we're doing the social distancing thing because like milk breath. 
all the time. It's gross. But it actually works. You could just drink milk and get a fair amount of nutrition and vitamins. You'd get lots of calcium. The problem is it really only works in the short time. If you just did it for a week or two, yeah, it would be great. But if you continued to go down that path of only drinking milk and that's all you did for a year, you'd be in bad shape because calcium actually starts to deplete magnesium in your body and you need magnesium to live. That's one of those things that you need. It also brings on aging quicker. So the too much calcium can make your body age quicker than it's supposed to. So yes, it works in the short term, but if you did it continually and that's all you did, it would be detrimental to your health instead of helpful. So the next one I looked at was the meat diet. I like that one. It's all meat all the time. I kind of think that might be what I'm doing right now. All meat all the time. Some people may call it the carnivore diet. And it's exactly what it sounds like. All you do is eat meat. Vegetables, fruit, milk, out the window. Just meat. It's the same thing. It works in the short time. You can actually get benefits from just doing that in the short time. But if you continue to only do that and move forward with just that, you start to miss key nutrients in your diet. There's no fiber in meat. That's a problem. I won't get into that any further, but no fiber, big problem. And it also, there's not enough vitamin C. Are there any fans of scurvy? Any scurvy fans? No? Pirates didn't like it either. So those are the types of things that can happen if you continue on a diet of one specific thing. It sounds great, it works in the short time, but after a while you will see the detrimental effects of doing that. Now here's the problem. Why do babies not eat solid food? Well, they don't eat, infants can't eat solid food because they don't have the ability to swallow. Well, some Christians are still chewing on spiritual mush because they can't swallow the truth. And that's what I'm gonna talk about today, trying to swallow the truth. Now, I know what you're thinking, like, okay, I know you know what you're talking about when it comes to nutrition, but how does that relate to the Bible? Well, let's go to the text. Let's see what the text has to say about it. In 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2, Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. It's telling you right there, newborn infants long for it, but that's not where it stops, comma, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Why do we need the milk? To grow up. We can't just sit and drink the milk and expect to grow. When he talks there about pure spiritual milk, he's talking about pure doctrine. And if we just do the milk of the doctrine, we start to think about, okay, yeah, doctrine. All right, we got sanctification, grace, the Holy Spirit, forgiveness. We've got all these doctrines. But if that's all you know, you're missing the whole point of the doctrine. If all you know is sanctification, you're like, yeah, sanctification. That's, I'm like set apart, right, from other people, like sanctification, but... You don't understand there's a difference between justified and justification and knowing that God sent his son and sanctification and accepting that gift 
that he sent his son and then to, to go to grace and be like, yeah, grace, that's when you, you give somebody something they don't deserve. Yeah, that's, that's probably a good idea, but you just stop at that milk and you don't go any deeper to understanding the necessity of grace in the gospel. If you throw out grace, you might as well throw out the gospel because it was by God's grace that he sent his son to die for our sins that all of us could inherit the kingdom of heaven someday. So you can't just sit there and sip on the milk and hope to grow up. But let's move on and see what it says in Hebrews. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now we start to chew on the meat. We decide we want to grow up, we want to get off of the milk, and we want to get into some solid food. And we begin to understand those things. We understand that the doctrine of forgiveness isn't just, yeah, I can forgive people, but why? Why do you forgive people? How do you forgive people? When do you forgive people? Sometimes, all the time, yeah. You need to understand the importance of forgiving the people that offend you. You have to chew on this stuff. You start to look deeper into the Holy Spirit and understand the Holy Spirit just isn't part of that cool little Trinity thing. Like, oh yeah, I get it. There's, there's three of them and the Holy Spirit's one of those guys. No, you start to understand that the Holy Spirit can provide power. You can begin to unlock things that you didn't know you could do, the healing that comes from the Holy Spirit. If you just look at it surface level, yeah, he's one of the Trinity. That's just the milk. When you start to really chew on the meat of the Holy Spirit and understand that it can unlock scriptures in a new way, that you can begin to understand God's will for your life because he left the Holy Spirit. That's the same Holy Spirit that was at creation. That Spirit's always existed and was with God when he created the earth. And he left it behind for you so that it could abide in you. And if you just look at that, that surface milk level of, hey, yeah, that's cool. He was there. No, you need the meat of understanding what that spirit can do for you. Let's look at what it says in Matthew. Matthew 4, 4 says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, something key about this verse so far when we read from Peter, that was Peter saying his interpretation of what Jesus had told him, what he had experienced. He was telling us, hey, this is what we need to do, you know, that spiritual milk. And then when we hear Paul writing to the Hebrews about chewing on that meat and, and being in constant use of it. If you look in your Bible at this verse in Matthew, it's the first one of those where the text will be in red. Because this is the first time where Jesus is telling you. And he doesn't say, drink the milk or eat the meat. He says, you don't live on that stuff alone. You need to walk and live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is the first time we're telling you, don't just eat, you don't just drink, you live it. So you do need to understand those milk level doctrines, what we as a church umbrella believe, but you need to dig into it with the meat, really chew on it, understand why, but you can't stop there. The Pharisees stopped there, they knew it. They knew all the words, all the laws, they knew it all but they weren't living it. As Jesus in this text is saying, live it. Go out, every word that comes from the mouth of God, live it. And that's when we start to really see the effect that it can have in our lives. Point number two in your notes. Be careful what you grab, it may grab back. 
we're all gonna cling to something. We're all gonna grab something and sometimes it's gonna grab back and that's not good. Let's go back to what he said in the text. In 1 John 2, 15 to 17, he writes, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with it its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So it's right there at the end. Whoever does the will of God. All right. What, what's the will of God? What do I do there? Well, it tells us in Matthew 22, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That's the will of God. Love the Lord God with all your soul, all your heart, and all your mind. Now, when it says love, that word that he used there is agape. It's the most pure, most selfless kind of love. And it's saying that's the love that you should have for the Father with your whole existence. When you go back to the text and it says, do not love the world or the things of the world, that's the word, agape. Do not agape the world. There is nothing wrong with enjoying things, having a good time, doing things that are not sinful and enjoying life. But there's different kinds of love. There's like a philia, an affectionate love. There's ludus. It's like a playful and joyful love. It's not saying don't have any fun. It's saying do not, with your whole heart, mind, and soul, agape the world. Because what's gonna happen is you're gonna grab onto the world, you're gonna grab onto the things of the world, and they're gonna grab back, and you're not gonna be able to let go. Amen. What am I talking about? Your appearance, money, career, family, popularity. There's nothing the matter with having a good career, nothing. There's nothing the matter with wanting to look good and have a good appearance and present yourself in a good way. But is that what you agape? Is that what you put all of your heart, your mind, your soul into and takes away from what the Father has intended for you? When he says desires in that text, he says that the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and talks about how those are passing away. That word desire actually means a strong craving for what is forbidden. When you start to desire those things, when you start to agape those things, it's, this is snare-seeking self, this is when you start to seek yourself. I need this, I want this. You know, the word of God will tell you that's not right. I have an illustration, a video here that I wanna show you that I think perfectly sums up what I'm talking about and grabbing onto the world. Watch this quick video. He's got to know what's in there. He reaches in, grabs a fistful, and now his hand's too big to come out. If he had the sense to drop the seed, he could free his hand. Now he lets go when it's too late. So that was a smart enough way. You might not have heard it in there, but I want you to hear one thing that he said. If he had sense enough to let go of the seeds, 
He could get away if he had sense enough. That's the agape I'm talking about, the clinging to. When you have a career and you look at it and you see it and you grab onto it and you're like, hey, this is great. But then you can see that the things of the world are starting to creep in on you. You know, well, work only requires me to go in one Sunday a month, so it's fine. I'll just do that, but it's good. Then it goes to two and you're like, oh, okay, so now half the time. That's okay. I'm in church half the time. I'm fine. And that's the more you're grabbing a hold of that. And then you realize now it's three weeks, four weeks, and now you haven't been to church in months because you decided to hold on to this and you can't get away. And now, again, the master hunter here, the primate, it's all, big pictures all coming together for you. You can see that, that master hunter there, that guy in the back, that's, that's the enemy. That's Satan. And when you're holding on to this, you can see when he first put his hands and he has the seeds, he's like, oh, this is great. Then he realizes he's stuck and he loses his mind and he's screaming and he's pulling away and he's spinning in circles. And here you can see the enemy just walks right over. And what's he do? Slides a noose around his neck, pulls him out of the hole, brings him over here and ties him up where he wants him. That's what the agape of the world would do to you. It'll put a noose around your neck and it'll pull you away from what God has intended for you. Point number three in your notes. Be careful who you trust in. They may have set the trap. In 1 John 2, 18, it says, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For had they been, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all the knowledge. I write to you not because you don't know the truth. I'm not writing to you right now because you don't know. I'm writing to you because you do know. And there is no lie in the truth. Who is the liar? but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, but whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Now this isn't the Antichrist, the end of time revelation, the Antichrist that will come and be the great deceiver of us all. This is where he's talking about individual Antichrists that have come, are still coming, and will continue to come and deny the necessity of Jesus. That's the key factor. If you need to know anything else, that's the key. Deny the necessity of Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Hunters don't hope that a trap sets itself. They set it up and they make it look really good, really enticing. If that, if that monkey had gone over and saw the hole and it was full of spikes and thorns, he probably wouldn't have put his hand in there, but they made it look good. That's exactly what the hunter, the enemy, Satan wants to do. He makes it look good. He makes you think that what you're looking at, what you're agapeing, is really nice. That career is really great. But here's the problem. When you go from thinking that money's good, which it is, and we should all have money, and that's fantastic, but when we start to agape that, and it turns into greed, and we're willing to do anything for that, when we go about our appearance, yeah, looking good's great, but when it starts to agape that appearance and we start to grab onto it and it turns into vanity and starts to pull us away. But be careful, 
Because sometimes the enemy has set the trap to make it look really nice, like spiritual oneness. You know, if I'm just one with the universe, everything's good, and I'm, I'm keyed in, and that's all I need. Or energy healing, just I can just like, ooh, and we're all good. Like I can just push out the bad energy and pull in the good energy, and that's all I need. Or there's a big one that looks really good. Right in there, you look in that trap and it says, you're a good person. And you're like, yeah, I am a good person. So you reach in and you grab that and then you start to walk away and you're like, oh, I'm stuck. But that's all right because I'm a good person. And then you look over this way and you can see that God is calling you to something. God's saying, that's not good enough. You need my son. You need Jesus. Being good isn't good enough. You need that sanctification. You need to chew on that meat and understand that being a good person is just spiritual mush. And if you chew on that, you need to turn over here and you need to swallow the truth of Jesus Christ, but you can't because you're holding on to the fact you're a good person. And God wants you. He wants what's good for you. He wants something in your life. He wants to give you what he has intended for you. He wants you to feel him in your life at all times but you can't let go of this. Whatever this is, whatever's got you trapped in this hole, you can't let go of it. And you see, and then you start to freak out, just like that monkey did. I want out, I gotta go, Jesus needs me, I gotta go. But before you know it, there's a noose around your neck and you're being walked away further and further from God's intended plan that's over there, crystal clear for you, but it's too late because you agaped what was in that trap. Again, it's seeking self. I want to feel this way. I want to understand this for my life. I want to know all of these things. I want that. That's what I want. But you got to understand what the devil wants is to not let that happen. He wants you to understand and, and have, he wants you to think that there's no need for Jesus in your life at all. All you need is is this one. All you need to have a great life is money. Because then you're going to be happy. You're going to be able to buy anything, do anything, whatever you want. It's true. You can buy good stuff with money. But what you need in your life is the meat of Jesus. And you need to walk in that. And just like he said in Matthew, you need to live your life on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Point number four, we need to let go of the world and grab a hold of the word. Now, when you look at that word, why is it capitalized? Because I'm not talking about just grabbing onto this and just holding onto this. You need this. This is that meat that you need. But when I'm talking about living your life on every word, I'm talking about the word, Jesus and when it talks about abiding in that, let's look what it says in verse 2, uh, two twenty four to 27. Let what you've heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and it is true and is no lie, 
just as that was taught to you, abide in him. Abide. That word abide right there means to remain or to continue in. What are you abiding in? Are you sitting and abiding in that, that new belief that you're hearing that just the energy's good enough? Are you abiding in and living and continuing your life in Jesus Christ? Because the word's unchanging. You can rely on it fully. It's talking to you about relying in what's been from the beginning. The word, that capital W word. When we look in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, Jesus. And the word Jesus was with God and the word Jesus was God. It's that whole Trinity coming back together, the necessity of a creative God, a son that came to redeem us all, that left that Holy Spirit for us. This is the meat that we need to chew on so that when we see that trap, when we see all those things that look so enticing and so wonderful, we can go in and we can let go of the world. We can have the sense to let go before it's too late and walk over and follow exactly what Jesus has intended for you and your life. As believers, the anointing abides in us fully. We need to rely on that and know that it's sufficient enough to live and survive on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when we do that, we can avoid being ensnared and entrapped by the world, by the antichrists, those who deny the necessity of Jesus, and by Satan himself.